Hacking. Sumerian creation myths. Metaverse. Jailbait. Blasians. Sumerian masturbation god. Lots of swords. Robot dogs. Inglewood, California. I was also going to say rat dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all these things in Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. Let's read books. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to My Arms Are Lasers. This is episode two. We did it, guys. We're going to go over Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, and we pulled together a good group, I would say. I would agree. Yeah. I would would disagree. And I'm going to have everyone introduce yourselves and also answer this question. If you had a time machine, where's the first place you would go? The first place. I'll start so you guys could think. Uh, I'm Nick Allen, and the first place I would go to if I had a time machine would probably be the height of Rome. Just check it out. Just, just that was good. Yeah, that was a good. Time. Just go to the Rome. But <laughs> hey, but can wow. you speak? Do you think the Latin that you know is good enough to to passably get around as like a weird homeless person? Okay, uh, pa- pa- probably not. <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick is a slave. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I will have a tattoo on my forehead. Yeah, because slavery wasn't limited to black people back then. You have to no, remember that. That's your only Not problem with it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you'd be a target. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, so maybe I'll just go to the dinosaurs where I won't be a target. No. <laughs> nope. No, you're in the dinosaurs, but you're in a, a giant mech, mech suit. You no, I'll probably suit. end up going to uh, Roman times, but I'll be in uh, North America. Okay. I'll just be like, this is a Roman in North America. Wow, Rome sucks. So, so you, you're hanging out with all the Native Americans? They have their own Rome. <laughs> uh, I would go to the far future, not the near future, because that's when all the dystopic shit happens. I would go till way past that, presumably if human humanity survives, then I would get a chance to have access to all the cool futuristic weaponry and the world peace and no money, and they just give me all their cool shit. So you would do you would do the Star Trek. You would you would skip World War Three. Yeah. And then when the Vulcans make first contact. And then I get sweet-ass phasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just really putting a lot of faith that you know when world's going to end, and you just jump forward and like, oh, wow, humanity lasted well, pretty long, and then you jump forward like 2,000 years, and then a oh, guy no, with no, a no. pipe's coming for your no, face. No, you, you overshoot it, and then you work your way back to when humanity... Oh, okay. Before, <laughs> you go into like, okay, everything's used up here, Earth's dead, then you rewind until you get to the point like, oh, this is the apex of human civilization before they shot off into space. Or you like overshoot it, you see human people, and you're like, hey, uh, when would you say was the good pastime? Yeah, there you go. What was your golden age? <laughs> then go there. What would you say was the best year? Oh, it was Rome. You should go there. Giant, giant mantis overlords. <laughs> Their farm stock. I can't. I can't tell you the mantises will know. <laughs> no, they're just, clearly when the mantises took over. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite time. Wouldn't you say that, Snorlock? <laughs> uh, Chad. Uh, should I go? I'm Chad Quant. I would say I was first going to say I'd go back to middle school and punch that kid Kevin when he didn't invite me to his pool party. I made a big deal about it. Uh, a lot of I would go back to lasers. the Salem witch trials oh right before, like Jeez. when when they were making all of their. I'm just going off of like I'm just going off of the Crucible as history, and, and like when what a weird touchstone when when uh, I really that play really affected me. No, 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 me. no. I'm going to go back to then. Crucible and, when and all the Scarlet of, and, Letter. 
when the girls, favorites. when those like dumb fourteen-year-old girls were saying that they were witches, I show up in like all robes and a long beard, and I just have fireworks and laser pointers and stuff. And I'm like, "That's right, and I'm your witch god." And I like, I, like you want to so be an early American Gandalf? So you're is that, yeah, that's so your what plan. you're describing? That's your plan. So I make what, them follow my bluff. I'm like, "That's right, girls, you're all so witches, you're, right?" And like, so you're literally pulling a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court because that's what the plot of that book is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except I just make all those girls go, yeah, yes, he is our, our our witch king, I guess. And then I just shoot all of the people with a gun. Like the, the Connecticut. So I survived. They had guns. <laughs> no, I have, I have more guns. See, they have blunderbusses. For yeah, a very short second there, I was like, oh, Chad's going to go back and try to save these women. No, no, those girls. No. I, I feel like this will end very poorly for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, your, your stupid witch empire and your creepy harem. And I just turned Salem into witch. Town. <laughs> Chad, 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 me, Chad, Gold, Chad Gold, Empire of the Witch. Because Connecticut Yankee King Arthur's Court, the whole book was just him going back to King Arthur's time and saying, I invented electricity, and then making um, fucking Merlin feel like an idiot. That's the whole book. <laughs> right before Merlin's about to get it, you're like, mm. Merlin's like, I don't trust him. And then he's like, Oh, yeah, what do you think of the steam engine? That and then Merlin goes, No, I hate you. You find all of the world's greatest inventions and just go back two days beforehand and beat like all of them to the punch <laughs> hey, just drive them all insane because they'll hey, never talk to can each we, other can we can we just change this to a Connecticut Yankee King because <laughs> I'd like to discuss what a weird grudge <laughs> some guy's reading the the authorian myth and he's just like man Fuck Merlin. <laughs> Why didn't they have telegraphs? We need to revisit all these topics we bring up in these intros uh, Ellen Okay, um, I'm with Nick. I would go back. I think I'd go visit Versailles and see how what life was really like with Marie and Toinette and if they really Probably quite sheared sheep with gold scissors. I want to try that. <laughs> would you be there like at, at the apex of it or like right before the bloody uh, revolution? I just want to be there for the the good stuff, that sweet spot of like two years. Before. Act two. Yeah. Okay, because you could, like it was pretty decadent right up till the end when they chopped her head off. When Kristen Dunst is trying on all the fun outfits and just like funny <laughs> music is playing <laughs> if you take uh sofia coppola movies to be historical Wait, did she try on the outfits to uh the go-go's vacation it was something like that it, it was, was something yeah. i will like bring that. that song back and make them do that it was like our lips are sealed or something it was something like it's, that. it's either it's, it's always you always try on outfits and montage to either vacation or semi-charmed, <laughs> or semi-charmed life yeah and you hold up signs like yes, no, maybe, right? Or a, or a, Kenny that... a Kenny Loggins song. And were they all beheaded to it was the best time of our lives? <laughs> yeah. Something unforgettable. But in the Yeah, you know what? Maybe I would want to be there for that part. I'd want to see. Just dress as a peasant. You'll yeah, be dress fine. as a peasant. The Green Day song? Good. Yes, from This is us recreating guitar. Green Day tablature. Welcome to our uh, Green Day uh, acapella podcast. <laughs> Gotta have, have some singing in it. It's called, it's called Treble Cool. Stop. Because Trey <laughs> Cool. No. no, we could cut. Pack we up and leave. Mike. Just cut that out. Just cut it. And the last uh, member of the gang. This is super this depressing. Oh, wait. I'm was this I supposed Matt. to? Wait, were we supposed to introduce ourselves? Did you? I said Ellen, and then I'm oh, sorry, I don't just know. Just say I'm Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> just say I'm Ellen and, and then we'll cut it in like that. <laughs> it's fine. Doesn't matter. I just remember the lady voice is <laughs> yes. Ellen. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Okay, we can continue. Oh, so you're Ellen. <laughs> oh. Okay. 
Um, mine's kind of depressing because I wish I was kidding. I wouldn't like my first thought isn't like go back and stop Hitler or prevent 9/11. I would get a DVD player <laughs> and a, a copy of that terrible kung fu movie like The Forbidden Kingdom or whatever. And I would go back the to Jackie like, Chan, Jet Li. I would go back to like 1994. Like when they both just got done making uh, Jackie Chan just got done making Legend of Drunken Master, and Jet Li got done making Fist of Legend, when they're at the height of their powers, just and just be do like, this. be like, make this now, because otherwise you're gonna make this, and I'm gonna show them the little wiener kid, like the white boy saves China again, and Jet Li is an over the top monkey prince guy, or Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, it's. We uh, are you trying to get them to never make that film or to make it adventures. at the height of their prime? No, for them to make a movie at the height of their prime, they don't have to depend on CG. <laughs> oh, I like you're saying, yeah. Like, like I'm not even trying to be funny. That is legitimately what I would do. <laughs> that that is my gift to the world. Thank Fair you. enough. Yeah. Uh, don't feel bad because none of us thought of ni- stopping 9/11 or Hitler. <laughs> No, 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 because as we all know, this is the best of all possible worlds, and if we were to do something uh, well-intended, like stop JFK from being assassinated or stop 9-11, something far worse would happen. Also, God wanted that to happen, so what the fuck are you going to do about it? No, that's... Whoa! <laughs> no, that, that was our original sin. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's what people say. We don't know if that's true unless we did it. It might make things better. But what if it, it causes the time machine to not be invented and then we're stuck in that hell world we've created? What if it causes time machines to be invented even sooner? Guys, I'm just then saying. Then that would be even, even more. Then a younger me would have the time machine and you don't want that. More, more importantly, the Animorphs, when they were presented with this question where they could have killed Hitler when they traveled back in time, Rachel wanted to kill Hitler, but Jake was like, no, we need to keep the timeline safe because it's the only way to know that we'll be able to stop the Yerks when we go back to our normal timeline. So they didn't kill Hitler. They could have. So follow whatever the Animorphs do, guys. Wait, was Hitler an Animorph? Could he turn into, like, <laughs> an eagle? No, he Falling was... down a deep rabbit hole. No, he was not. So Snow Crash. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, why are we here? Uh, the, snow cra- the book we just read, uh, Crash Snow, Snow Crash. Um, I, uh, when did you guys read it, first read it? Uh, I'll go first. I read it this year for the first time. Surprisingly, it was weird. I guess maybe you guys had a different experience. No, so Everyone I talked to had all read it in middle school or high school as if I was the one kid who had ever heard of the book. Yeah, this one, no, I was not f- familiar with it growing up. I don't know what happened there. So I actually am still reading it, but I didn't start until it was assigned for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> in process, huh? Yes, in process. But I'm really like... get away with making up stuff? I, I might make stuff up, but I'm really liking it so far. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but a good friend said, you need to read this. And I like read the back and I was like, this is like, this is a list book. Someone looked around their house and had a bunch of neat stuff and made a list and then wrote stuff based on that list. And then they said, just read the first chapter. <laughs> and I read the first chapter and it was about a ninja that delivered pizzas for the mafia. A biracial ninja. <laughs> Blasians, black Asians, that's going to be the new hotness. So uh, black ladies, dream. get at me. <laughs> we will make the new we will make the new super race of ninja pizza men. And um, I was I was blown away. Like I love this book. I've probably read this book once a year. Um, since that first time, I mean, I like, I love the ideas and it's just, 
I mean, I printed off a bunch of quotes. We will get to that later. I will read all 15 pages of the quotes. <laughs> You're the favorite pages I liked from the book. But, um, it's just the book. It just sounds like Neil Stevenson. I love his style, and it kind of breaks my heart that I found a lot of his later work inaccessible, which I guess we can talk about later, too. I, f- I first read the book... Uh, about a minute before this podcast started, I finished the last page. She literally finished. Literally waited. Everyone waited for me to finish reading the book. So okay, I am we fresh fudge. off of this. We did. I ate a piece of fudge. I'm ready to talk about it. I thought it was great. <laughs> I first heard about it from either Chad or Matt. I can't remember whom. But one of the two basically said, people kept in the last couple of years have mentioned like, Oh, you haven't read Snow Crash? You have to read Snow Crash. I can't believe you haven't read Snow Crash, uh, which is why I suggested we read it for this one, because it was as good as excuse as any to finally bite the bullet and read it. And I loved it, sure the, enough. The same way Justin Bieber grew to fame, word of mouth, word Snow of Crash. Mouth. Uh, have you not heard of Justin Bieber? Have you not heard of Snow Crash? Because Usher whispered in my ear, <laughs> read Snow <laughs> Crash. You go check out this hot Usher. talent. Usher, my brother, my friend, my mentor. If you guys are Usher's trying to ruin buddy. this book for me, <laughs> I will make you pay. Uh, if I can, if I can, I don't know if you have a certain way you guys want to start going in this conversation, but the fact that some of you guys read it uh, at an earlier age, or I guess, or maybe just Matt in this group. Nick, <laughs> Nick, when did you read it? First read uh, I just read it this year. I oh, just read it this year? I okay. tried earlier, like maybe six months before that, but I got halfway through, and I guess I hit the... The, the the part where they went into the Sumerian history, and then I got busy, and at that part I was like, all right, I'll just put it on the shelf. Yeah, uh, I'm just posers. I'm just curious for like I maybe mean, Matt's the only one, but talking to other people who had also read the book in like early high school or middle school, does does that did that change your shape like how you looked at the book at all? Because some of the things from Snow Crash. Reading it now, you'll be like, "This is just a rip off of the Matrix and like ten other things that are in popular culture." Like, because the book's old. The book's like, what is it? Nineteen ninety-three. Nineteen ninety-two. Super old. Nineteen ninety-two. Nineteen ninety-three. Like concepts in it, like ba- badass guy with a samurai sword and a trench coat and like the virtual world. All of those things back then must have would have blown my mind. But now reading, I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of quaint. I get how that's inspired a bunch of movies that I've seen. It, 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 I did get a little bit of that, uh, kind of like when you read a Ray Brad or an Isaac Asimov tale about robots, and when you read it, you're like, wow, what? Like this, pro- this would have been amazing to someone who had not had. 60 years of robot stories that had come after it that had informed you but instead I read it uh, you know I still enjoyed the hell out of it but a lot of the stuff that I was like oh this is really cool that's where that came from if I had read it when I was in middle school I would have probably been like this is my favorite book of all time well, well here's the thing is like first off this book I mean technologically culturally pop culturally I mean it is fucking prescient oh absolutely I mean I mean from from how the internet works to data gathering, to uh, privatization, privatize, privatizing uh, the military and security, gated communities, um, the idea that when you eat at a McDonald's in California, it should taste the exact same as McDonald's in New York because rather than food or nutrition or experience, you want that like craving and that comfort, like. It's amazing what he called because this is 1992 and he called the metaverse, he called the thing after the internet. When people were not, not, I mean, there were more people off the internet in 92 than were on. Yeah, at that Maybe time it was this, like and he, user groups and or he something. Nailed, and it's like the metaverse, Facebook wow. games being constantly plugged in. Like, we're kind of on the precipice of it, guys. Uh, Google and Glass. He called it. He yeah. basically took Second Life and then 20 years from that, from that point. I, like, how cool that would be when it gets better. And it wasn't. <laughs> no, I actually, interestingly enough, uh, I 
I uh, did play Second Life briefly when it first came out, mm -hmm. just out of sheer curiosity, because of I, I saw the potential there. Uh, but very quickly, I realized that it was not going to be this sort of utopian ideal that uh, a lot of you know professors and whatnot would say it was, but instead it was just all the weirdos that just wanted to act out their their sickest fantasies. Hi, I'm a mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a fox girl, and this is my boyfriend, a living rocket ship. Those are yep. the people that, that greeted me in Second yeah. Life. So very <laughs> so maybe this just speaks to how um, juvenile I was in certain regards in college. But uh, I actually joined a, a what's called a griefer movement. Of course you did. Which is where you go in and purposefully and usually hilariously disrupt other people's experiences uh, in a way. It's sort of like a form of play. It's like a flash mob. It's like a flash mob, but instead you're going into some place where everyone is pretending to be like underage girls and then turning into like the abominable snowman and, and booting them out of their server. That's sort of the stuff that, that you can do. And that's exactly what's described in Snow Crash, is people do that. Like, when, as soon as he got to the passage where, like, some people walk down the street dressed as giant penises, I'm like, wow, I've seen that in Second Life. Do you think Neil Stevenson's like a time traveler? He could have been. Well, you know what he's doing right now? Is they're discovering old texts and wall scrolls and translating old books to figure out what European martial arts were, and then having a fight club where they use the techniques. Wait, what? He was, he was going to write a book with a group of people, and it was going to be about, like, basically the medieval European Magnificent Seven. And they were going to go and stop the Mongol invasion as it crept towards, like, Turkey and stuff. They were going to head it off at the pass. That's why he never made it into Europe. Like, that's what they were positing, right? Mm -hmm. And they wanted to make sure the combat was accurate. So they started talking to people who were looking into this, who knew about this. And then they started, like, testing stuff to make sure it was accurate. Like, you can look up videos of them doing this. When you say them, it's, it's Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson and, like, his bros. Like, they were each going to write a different chapter and just keep switching off. Like, that's hmm. how they're going to write the books. So, like, how they wrote uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. No, that was two people what, switching. Oh, I was, like, I was like, I'm not following this reference. Is there martial arts Sorry, karate in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? There's two authors to that book, and they switched, traded off writing chapters. Okay. I was like, <laughs> but that's really interesting, though. Is that what he's working on? Yeah. So maybe he is a time traveler, and he's just slowly working his way back. <laughs> I, have, I have one topic I can throw out there of what I have read. Um, something that always jumps out to me when I read uh, science fiction novels are... Uh, Sometimes how technology is misrepresent, misrepresented, but the ideas behind it make sense. And one thing that jumped out to me is when YT wears that vest with all the different barcodes. Her coveralls. Yeah. Her with coveralls with the different barcodes. With her passports and stuff. Uh, immediately when I read that, the first thing that I thought was, great concept, but in reality, she would have all them on a phone or something, and they would just be That's scanned. So it, that was, but it wouldn't look as cool, right? No. It wouldn't, but it was. It's like it's a different idea, like, like how Kurt Vonnegut imagined computers getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He didn't, he didn't foresee them getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, and smaller. He, he made sure they were integral to everyday it, life, right? But he just like I don't think anyone saw the phone coming. Yes, exactly. Like how a smartphone would hold all of her. She it, she could have scanned. Yeah, like it. I think I think that's like the new BC AD thing. Is the smartphone before after smartphone? Yeah, it is kind of interesting that that Neil Stevenson uh, predicted that the metaverse would exist and it would be an important aspect of life, but he didn't realize how much the internet would become central to all things like commerce. He and the way he portrays it in in Snow Crash, the metaverse is kind of like this other thing that people can go to and have a presence there. But then there's a lot of stuff that's done in the real world, uh, whereas. 
as it's played out, it's all converged to the point where everything is done online or has some online component. Yeah, he kept it as if the internet is True. was still got amazing and crazy complex, but there was still a large amount of people who didn't want to do anything with it. It was like well, fun. To, to be fair, we're all we're all pretty linked in. But I bet there are members of our family who like barely are capable of using Facebook. Well, sure. Uh, I mean, most of our bosses still have AOL accounts. Yeah. Um, you're as plugged in as you want to be. Like, you need to be able to send an email. You need to know what Facebook is. But if you don't have it all routed through your phone, we're still not at that point where you're punished for it. But if you flash forward 20 years from now, yeah, it'll probably be like that. Yeah. But, and, but, and then, but also, I mean, not to discredit him, I think it's great when authors come up with their own answers oh like yeah. you know he came up with that concept which wasn't exactly how it would play out now but it still gave the character the ability to hack into any area she needed to go to which was the point behind yeah it. and there's a bit with the gargoyle um the cia like first off he's just constantly gathering data to sell like i mean that's cookies that's malware that's the nsa tapping all of your shit like and then the guy's like you know always plugged in Granted, it's like a bulky suit, and he makes the point that he's plugged in, and it's very obvious that he's, um, it's a gargoyle. That's what he calls him, he's a gargoyle. And it's very obvious that he's always plugged in, but, like, I could sit here right now, and if we weren't recording a podcast and we were eating a meal, I could never say one word to you. I could never look up from my phone, and I could just do all kinds of shit. I could talk to everyone else on the planet, I could spend money, I could move money, I could book plane tickets, I could do all those kinds of shit all through my phone and it's like he's there that's just no one really realized how small shit was going to get yeah scale, right. scale's always weird there's always kind of like unconventional ideas of just based on how technology is at that point in time like how he kind of views gaming in the metaverse like how there's like kind of little like samurai games it very much evokes like oh yeah it's kind of like how arcade games were at that point in time when he was writing it but he didn't have that level of like he was he didn't he didn't yet figure out like that Halo 2 was going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he like he just took what what a video game was at the time. So it's like 92. So what is that? Street Fighter World Champions where you yeah. can finally plays yeah. the bosses and he's like what is the ultimate expression of Lethal Enforcer PvP. and Street Fighter 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would like to talk about the world. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about the world sure. a little bit. So, we've, we've described the metaverse pretty well. Yeah. But or even just get the base of the metaverse of like that's an idea that it's a computer world that you log into. Yeah. It's from it's, anywhere. it's virtual reality the yeah. internet. It was weird that that was like the I guess it's a step beyond the internet. Like it's so like real world like you had to have a person and they couldn't exceed your, you know, normal people size. Mm-hmm. There's second they rules. building buildings you had to travel by foot like you couldn't just say like like, i'm gonna go to this place and then like instead of of writing in a web address it's kind of like if al gore it's kind of like if al gore when he invented the internet and like 10 other buddies (laughs) they set a bunch of predefined rules on the internet so that when you accessed it you had to follow their rules but they still got to be gods in the internet that's kind of how the metaverse works like i am the hero who helped like build it and a bunch of other people have like all these well, hacks he has, and back he has doors. like he has like cheats yeah he has cheats because he helped design the entire thing but everyone else seems to still have to kind of re- exist within the rules I mean, of bas- the system if, if you've never read the book the way the metaverse works is it's basically a like a dark i mean i'd assume in 1992 it's going to be like dark and neon lit mm-hmm. but it's basically grand theft auto but everyone is their own person so it's like you can buy a virtual car and go to the virtual mall 
and play darts with your friends because it talks about how like these kids from the from the suburbs or the burb claves the suburban enclaves in there where most of the people live in these walled off suburban communities they would go on dates online and they'd have shitty looking avatars and that's you know it's like if you played gta online and you did the work and you made a shitload of money and you had like a cool version of you that looked awesome and then someone who just started up would have like the shitty just got off the plane like black and, and white grainy yeah and, and not, that, like that's what it is it's like it, like if you want to go to the bar the virtual bar if you wanted to go play virtual tennis you have to go to the virtual tennis club and if i can sidetrack like, that's real how quick, the that's totally what's happening in gaming right now like gta online you have to spend a lot of money earning money in game to have the cool car or like in in any esports scene you have to spend 20 bucks real cash to have that cool cosmetic item to make your character look different than everyone and, else and that's, that's actually act- totally happening and that's actually kind of how uh, second life worked and probably still does work in whatever form it exists still uh, in that insofar as that you know you could either buy everything you wanted like you could buy using real US American dollars you could buy parcels of land that would be always yours and then you can design or ha- pay people in, again, U.S. dollars to design cool stuff for you. Unless, like uh, the main character, hero protagonist, you knew how to code it yourself. In which case, uh, you could b- make all of these avatars and weapons and stuff that, that would use the, f- the physics of the game, but be able to achieve real-world things in them. So it, it, it's a pretty interesting... Um, it, it's pretty interesting how Second Life kind of is the metaverse but at the same time it it didn't catch on enough uh to really continue beyond that initial early adopter phase and there are characters in the book that like are clearly have no interest in the metaverse at all they're just was one of them kind of yeah like yt the the second main character yeah has she thinks it's like kind of cute i guess like she's in it but it's clearly like a a side thing to do i think there's one time she goes in the metaverse in the entire book no, but she goes. She goes there a couple dinner, times, but, but only because she has to. Right? Yeah, it's just like a weird thing. It's like log into, to like talk go to, to a hero. random site, and there's so many characters. Like the, the real world. If you want to segue into talking about the real world of Snow Crash, is it's like it's awful. I well, I, I kept thinking like idiocracy for some dumb reason. When when I was reading this, like I had no idea what the timeline was, like what year it was. It seemed kind of futuristic, but then the the more I read and people dropped notes, like, oh yeah, my father was in World War Two. Hey, did you go to Vietnam? And uh, people drop these. I was like, so it's kind of like it's it's an ultimate much reality. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like 1990s. But yeah, if, if you haven't read it, basically the real world of Snow Crash is complete laissez-faire capitalism. Yeah, it's uh, the military, nightmare. the navy, like the, the army is its own corporate entity. Admiral the, Bob's the, the navy U- is its own corporate entity. Like yeah. and, and, the United States broke down and stopped doing uh, stopped being the United States and then corporations took over and giant companies are essentially like territories and, and exactly. sovereign nations so to speak, which the is currency. Which in some like ways the American dollar is in the quadrillion bill and yeah. that's like it's worthless. That's yeah, that's like paper. And then there's like hong kong bucks and stuff like that like like different kinds of currencies are like it might be worth more money in a certain area like a different burp clave with its own guards and Mm -hmm. its own laws and stuff like that and that's like our hero is trying to make his way like the mafia went public you can buy shares yeah you can buy shares in the mafia 
I love that the mafia exists, but primarily as like a pizza the delivery pizza chain. <laughs> but they also they're, they're have very all family of the same stuff that the mafia had, you know, like the enforcers. And it's kind of saying if you let the same way you not to connect it to like legalization of marijuana, all the ideas like legalization, a lot of things are illegal. Is if you just let it be legal, it'll just like get itself like mostly under control. As like the idea of everything. <laughs> yeah. In Snowcrash, like yeah, just let the mafia roam. They'll get there. But and the thing awful. is, is they're under control, but it's still awful. Yeah. Like it's just. It, it's ba- it's people basically are dying yeah. constantly. There's just bodies littering everywhere, and if you stray too far outside of your own little enclave city within state. a city, then you're suddenly in another another. Uh, you're in enclave, a foreign country. A frangelet, they're called, that will kill you if they don't like you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Do we it. ever find out what happens if you deliver a pizza late? Uh, oh God, I, it's so terrible. No, I don't think you do. Okay. It's, just, it's better to not. It's like oh, it makes guys, it more we made stuff yeah. up, and we could totally could have scared me. The implication is that something very bad happens. Well, yeah, it's just funny. It's just you're like, baked into like, pizzas. Yes, yeah, it, it seemed like into, something. It's like the pig. It's like happen. the pig farm, but they turn you into pepperoni. I, I read that and I was like, "Is this just like written like this because it's it's kind of." Tongue in cheek, or is pizza delivery really that important? I, and this is, <laughs> no, there's a there's yeah, a part. Okay, a good passage in yeah yeah. Okay, so it's go. basically so there's a lot of like pop philosophy in here, mm-hmm. and then just to kind of set the tone, um, my favorite quote about America is from the book: "Is this is America? People do whatever the fuck they feel like doing. You got a problem with that? Because they have a right to, and because they have guns, and no one can fucking stop them. And that's basically it. USA." Yeah. USA X USA X. Basically, he talks about it's like because of like sending corporations overseas or sending our manufacturing base overseas. There's only four things America does better than anybody else. That's music, movies. I've got it right here. Software and pizza. (laughs) Good job. Actually, you just quoted it directly. I don't even have to read it. Good job, Matt. You did it (laughs) from memory. Exact order. But yeah, it's just it's just kind of the idea of that like. They've got these super factories and like I think they mentioned like a Zeppelin and you can just sail like the entire like everything is set up so you can just everything's so cheap. So like America's America, like the fractured idea of America in it, it's still important because of its cultural cash. Like we kinda tell everyone else is what's cool even if that's all we make is cool. Yeah. And like our people suffer for it. It's the same idea that I've met people from other countries who they come here to America and they're not excited for anything other than to go to Taco Bell. Like, yeah. that's a legitimate thing of, like, people from the UK are like, I can't wait. Try to Taco Bell. Like, you don't, you, to us, we're the t- place you get Taco Bell. That's why we're cool to you guys. <laughs> yep. I wanted to kind of confirm with you, I thought I read that, like, Mr. Lee's Greater Hong Kong. Yeah. Which is one of the Franchulets. It's a it's a it's a it's a restaurant turned into a military. It's like its own city it's, state. It's essentially uh, all of the people who fled Hong Kong after the Chinese took it back, then created their own city state uh, in these little right. pockets of America. But, but I thought I read that there was a uh, in the book that it was like it's they just mentioned that it wasn't really affiliated with the Hong Kong real Hong Kong. Yeah, no, exactly. it's not. So, okay. No, it's just it's just just a name. But it's it's extremely successful because they specialize in security and technology. They're like the Ix in the yeah. Dune world. But yet somehow their Kong Buck is better than the it's better than American currency. money. But yeah. like okay, so basically like there's so much going on in this movie. I mean there there really is. There's sword fights and there's religious stuff. But at the end of the day, like one of the big things about this book, like one of the most important ideas about this book, is the idea of viruses. And like, there's different kinds of viruses. Like the, the the main story involving you know Sumerian hacker gods and stuff like that. Those involve viruses. The whole idea of 
franchises, you have a binder. And in the binder is the information to start a franchise. And all I have to do is print it off. And then you have a new potential franchise. And then it talks about how, like, the Sumerian gods and, like, the lingual uh, viruses and stuff passed on as, like, basically a kind of, like, herpes simplex, another virus. And when you break it down, like, all a virus is is it's DNA or RNA, a protein shell, and then sometimes there's a lipid. There's a fat around that. And, like, all it does is exist is to make more of itself. And he brings up the point that's, like, that's religion. And that's, like, corporate structure. Because it just keeps reproducing itself. And, like, it's it's culture. It's pop culture. It's memes. Yeah. Cause, so, a meme, if you if all you know about a meme is, like, you know, rage faces and I can ask cheeseburger. A meme is basically how you measure a unit of cultural currency. It is, it, is, it is an idea that exists from person to person. I am passing culture on to you. And, like, this book was the first one to kind of look at memetics and how we pass on culture and how we pass on ideas mm-hmm. and how we pass on religion. And um, I just wanted to kind of get everyone's thoughts on that. Yeah. That, that, a lot of people, I kind of did a little bit of digging, like, what do other people think of this, What of its major criticisms or whatnot? And I noticed a lot of people were turned off when it got to the section about uh, uh, ancient Sumeria and the origins of, like, idea evolution. But that's the part that I immediately zeroed in on. Like, wow, this is actually a new angle. Well, what I thought was cool is, like, Stevenson is, like, okay, athletes and soldiers. Okay, back when we were cavemen, back at the very dawn of civilization, those guys were hunters. You know, those were Mm -hmm. warriors that defended the tribe. You know, lawyers were, like, diplomats and chieftains and lawgivers. Like, they set the roads for society. Um, even if you just make some, like musicians, like passed on cultures and stories, like the only person in the modern world that doesn't have like a thing is like a hacker, a computer programmer. Like, what was their Stone Age version? What was their Dawn of? And then Neil Stevenson Sorcery. answered it. Yeah, like he, like he, he basically was like, this guy Enki was the first hacker, mm-hmm. and he saved us with ideas. He saved us with and, language and culture. And the first major civilization in Sumer was essentially the first analog computer. It moved very slowly with ideas and sort of vi- viral ideas. And it just created more civilizations and it around created, it. And it copied itself. Even though it kind of died. But in doing so, he could actually hack it by getting into the like the biological substrates of the human brain that allows society to exist and function. Just also mention, if you ever read this book, there are like cool sword fights on motorcycles and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought that was pretty cool. No, that's super cool. I was to make sure. But they're talking about these gods, and they're like, yeah, he He's spreading his seed out everywhere. He's the, I think they called it masturbation god. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, Anki is officially the Sumerian deity of crafts, mischief, water, both sea and lake, intelligence, and creation. And then later in his life, they kind of literally made him the god of semen. And that's that's it. It's it's transmission. It's ideas. It's self replication. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what that is. That's you know semen, and crafting and all that stuff. It's it's making more versions. Right. Yeah. Of it your was idea. passing on the code that makes up a human. Yeah. And it's it's hitting that same idea of something that I've actually had that kind of thought about this a lot before uh, reading Snow Crash, and it kind of really has changed how I've looked at a lot of just my life and what I'm trying to do. Is if you look at the whole idea of just physically all we're trying to do is pass our genetic code onto the next to get, like that's our most primal instinct right like you want to just have your bloodline survive right. your dna carry on at some point i i remember in like high school and i wish i had read snow crash when this happened because it would have just completely blown my mind is this idea that well 
that's not as important now that we're a civilized society. What is important is like, can I make something that lives on past yeah. my? Yeah, you you, <laughs> you you create you you make your idea virus. You want to you want to make it into the culture. You want to make a book and, that lasts for a thousand years as far as past, or you want to build the thing that you want to build the Mount Rushmore that like generations upon generations. Yeah. And that's you putting yourself. And that's the same idea of the virus, and that's that, like, a, spreads through. And that's a very old idea, yeah. uh, like. Um, uh, I wrote a paper that on pagan culture, especially the way you lived on, they didn't like you know the time of Beowulf, for instance. They didn't really care about the afterlife, and the, and in Beowulf, I don't think the afterlife is even mentioned. It's all about your fame, the story of you become, and like the the heroics you've done uh, is what becomes more important, the most important way that you can propagate yourself. And I think uh, in Dante's Inferno, uh, Virgil. Um, is his guide because uh, Dante's guide through hell because Virgil said um, that you know I you can live on and achieve immortality through fame uh, and through his famous works. So it's an idea that's been around for a long time, but I don't I think Snow Crash is the first time that someone has uh, made it uh, more literally a virus than than just you know idea. Of yeah, yeah. Because well, originally, according to what Snow Crash presents with us. Ashura, who is considered a Sumerian goddess, is basically she created a virus. Like the idea is, is that Sumerian language is like the first language. It is the Ur language. It's what all other communication evolved from. And because it was so simple, and because it's built into humanity, into our into our BIOS, our basic output input system, as they put it in the book, it's easily hackable. So what would happen is if, if she could control language, you can control ideas, you can control, you can control culture, and like you can just basically guide humanity. So what Anki did was he made Sumerian impossible to understand with his namshub, which is um, an incantation. Word. Yeah, it's an incantation, but it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like uh, exceptionalism. Um, we are apart. But anyway, and basically he made he made Sumerian impossible to understand. And that way, humanity had to acquire its own language. Right. And because it was so scattered and language became so flexible, like they point out, like early Hebrew was super flexible. And so many other languages came out of that. And not all of them survived, but pieces of them did. Mm-hmm. That humanity would never get back to that again until in this movie where the villain, El Bob Reif, finds a way to do that. And he starts trying to distribute it, Sumerian. And then once everybody's brain is fried or on the same wavelength again, he's in charge. Yeah, because Sumer, Sumer was the fir- or Sumerian was like the first proto language that was extremely susceptible to this kind of programming. So being able to uh, uh, create this Namshub and make it so no one could speak it, then he essentially inoculated them against the virus of being able to be programmed. Yeah, because there's just so many so layers on, on it, own. he couldn't access. He couldn't access that basic language. Yeah. Because we lost it, and we acquired all these other ways of communication, and love, like that was what he did. I love that tie into like history. They're like when he was first investigating, he's like, "Why aren't there traces of this language around?" Because whenever a civilization is conquered or something, their culture is adopted, their mm-hmm. language is adopted. Like Latin sprouted the Romance languages, but none of the Sumer- none of Sumerian existed. Yeah, and it, it tries back. Not, it's not spoiling too much of it. It's like it tries back to the Tower of Babel, right? Like when yeah, it's basically changed. the Babel myth because like the Babel myth shows up in multiple cultures, and every major culture has um, a flood myth. And then um, Anki was heavily involved in the Mesopotamian version of that. Like Greece has a flood myth, 
and the Hebrews have a flood mm-hmm. myth, and then like the Sumerians and like you know that area had it as well. Which side note makes like getting along with other religions that you're not the religion of is super great when you're like, oh, we all have like the same basic stories here yeah. and there. Like that's <laughs> that's great. We're all okay. Like your God has four arms, mine has two. That's pretty great. Yeah, but but hey, we all survived the flood. <laughs> we all survived the flood. Oh, you guys okay. had a semen flood. <laughs> Myth too. <laughs> well, ours was just well. A it flood. wasn't exactly semen, but okay. Coconut. You know what? There's probably something in there. But but my my question is, and here's the thing I'm not clear on. So snow crash. Yeah. Fries your brain. Uh huh. And the reason they used snow crash was to stop hackers like our hero, hero spelled with an I, protagonist, from being able to stop it. He stopped the people who would control who control the ebb and flow of information. Essentially, to stop potential future enkeys from. Popping yeah. Up. So he basically wanted to nip that in the bud. And that way, the people who are able to basically shape data information in a way he'll never understand. The infocracy. He stops them. Mm-hmm. Is Snow Crash like its own thing? Or is it the Sumerian... That's the only thing I've... That, I've okay, so this very is, strangely so, vague. So I, I had that exact question through the whole thing. And since I was simultaneously speed ring it and listening to it book on tape... And eating fudge. And eating fudge. I actually got the answer to that. And it's way weird. Let's hear it. Okay, okay so lay it on me. Okay, so the ability to program uh, a biological creature and and give it consciousness essentially um, comes from this uh, Asherah virus, right? Okay, and then real fast. Okay, so a virus is a biological thing that self replicates, but scientists kind of think it's just on the edge of life. Yeah. So it's just a thing that only exists to make more. Okay, so, and, we're, and we're also talking about a digital version of Snow Crash. Okay, again, is, is a again this is where it gets very it. confusing. But try to try to keep up with me. And okay. <laughs> like it took me a long time for okay. me to puzzle this out in the shower. So, <laughs> so go on. In in the history of the Snow Crash, what verse, part of your body were you cleaning when you came up with that? Two hundred thousand years ago, right around when humanity was still sort of Homo sapien and not Homo sapien sapien, uh, a meteorite crashes to Earth carrying. Uh, the metavirus, which is what eventually mutates to become herpes simplex and what becomes later known as like the Asherah virus, which allows people to be programmed and create consciousness and have independent thought. Just what? let me finish. Let me finish. And then once he has, once all cr- life on Earth has been infected uh, human human life has been infected with this virus the civilization virus then that's when they start they become predisposed to these programs called may which are essentially the ancestors it's informational viruses rather than biological viruses it's the software i think the, the software or the, or the, the hardware is mutated by the metavirus to allow it to accept the software of the Asherah virus or Snow Crash. So the the first virus mutates our brains, the hardware. Yes. For the May virus, for which is the, the new software, virus. because a virus in the computer is just a command that the programmer or the user doesn't want. Yes, exactly. Okay. So the Snow Crash virus itself was not actually created by El Bob Reif. No, he just distributed it. And and instead he pointed. He used his vast wealth. He's essentially the world's biggest monopolist and scanned the stars for the past 50 years, assuming, correctly apparently, that we were not the first uh, organic life to be exposed to this virus. Uh, instead, he, uh, it was life was apparently, or at least the virus was created via uh, and distributed via this, uh, a concept called pangalactic 
uh, transpermia, which is the idea that viruses can travel on meteorites from planet to planet uh, and spread life, or in this case, spread the metavirus. So, what he, he discovered was that another alien civilization somewhere out in the universe had been infected with this metavirus first and had perfected the snow crash uh, ones and zeros version of uh, transmitting the software snow crash virus. He picked it up and then just put it back out there as like an infocratic biological weapon. He didn't know how, how it works other than it just destroys people's minds. But does that make you more susceptible to the, the Ashara? See, I'll just it, say for a second, I, I definitely took it as Snow Crash was the digitized version of the Sumerian that's what I'm trying to yeah, virus. Yeah. It's, and like, it was just I mean, basically... What Aaron's saying is fucking awesome, and I have a thing for that, but I we're saying... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, that's cool, because that also just takes another step lower, like, everything in humanity was just going through another stage of the virus being passed. That's awesome. That's, that's I mean, was. there's literally a thing but, where he says that but, he got it from the space. But everything as far as Snow Crash, the virus in the metaverse that is fucking with hackers is a digitized version of the exact same symbols and codes that if you talk to someone who had the... In the real world, yeah, the babble they're Speaking doing, of tongues, Speaking yeah. of tongues, like, if you listen to them long enough, you'd start hearing that affecting yeah, your brain. Yeah. So basically another way to, like, the same way when you're watching a TV show and that episode of Pokemon with those right amount of flashes just got yeah. you the, the, the trigger to... So, so are shot. we are we saying that the Snow Crash is the Sumerian virus? The Snow Crash the snow crash virus, the digital Snow Crash thing that is exposed to David and fries his brain and almost exposed to Hero is specifically aimed at the people who have the deep structures that are capable of reading one and zeros in a way the future Yankees that would that would destroy them okay. so you're saying yeah. you could snow crash wouldn't affect everyone because no. I a person no, who's not a programmer just, who looks at the snow crash virus and that's why they need the the drug version for all of the people that are are ignorant to that. Okay, okay, okay. no point to get no one put counters but the end game of the book is everyone in the metaverse is about to be exposed to snow crash no just all the hackers because they're the only just people hackers? who like yes. know it was a, David and it was could, a benefit be for hackers it. yeah I thought it was supposed to be like everyone in the metaverse no. so like it would affect no but everyone. basically the metaverse would shut down and then the only way you get information is through L. Bob Reif because he has the telecommunications yeah, power sure. he, to basically recreate the metaverse in his image he makes a very big deal about there's two classes in every society that's affected by the metaverse there's the people the infocracy who know how to actually read it and manipulate it and then the ignorant ones who are much more easily susceptible than just the biological version. Can I, can I take a minute just to mention how if what it's currently feeling like happening in our current internet right now with NSA and like wiretapping and kind of like the whole idea of um, uh, net neutrality and all that sort of thing is this frustrating level of that same idea of the people who understand what's going on, the people who are just going to be susceptible to it. Yeah. Is, and that falls through all technology is there are a small minority of people who like get why that sort of thing matters and care and are trying to affect it and change it. And then you have 95% of the population that doesn't care why yeah. it should matter that Amazon's going to get more preference on their communication platform than a and, small amount. Just to use an example, that's the yeah. exact same metaphor. And that's exactly that. what I think he was maybe not satirizing, but trying to call call attention to um, our own civilization is that is that there's the people who know what's going on and try to change it, and then there's the vast majority who are easily manipulated by people who want to manipulate them. Also, yeah. well, I make, mean, like any kind of wealth, there's going to be an imbalance, even right. if it's just information. But way to make people who are like tech savvy feel like we are the better people, <laughs> yes. and we're keeping everyone safe. Go us. So, Ellen, as someone who hasn't read any of this yet, what did you think of that explanation? <laughs> this is just help her did out. that sound insane? No, it actually sounds great and very interesting. <laughs> um, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, when you guys broke it down, especially uh, talking about 
the difference between a physical virus versus a virus in the metaverse and how it affects hackers and how like some huge rich guy is trying to take over the metaverse for himself i mean it makes total sense i mean but he's not just taking over the metaverse he's taking over the world via the metaverse yeah. first the metaverse first the metaverse he wanted to be ozymandias yeah, information yes. it, it, it's power. power i mean it's interesting especially what you said because i mean i've i've never been able to have it you know lay it out like that and once again i read this book once a year but the thing about like this virus crashing to earth um you know, if if I'm on here a lot more, a name you're going to hear from me a lot is Grant Morrison. He's one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. He wrote this insane uh, Marvel comic book called Marvel Boy. And if you're familiar with Marvel comics, there's a super advanced militaristic species called the Kree. Mm-hmm. The Avengers run into them a lot. So Marvel Boy is like a soldier, crash lands on Earth, a crazy scientist kills all his friends, and then he just basically decides he's going to take over the Earth as one guy and make it a new satellite of the Kree. But what happens when he's trying to do that is an alien corporation virus lands on Earth and, like, infects people and turns them into drones. And, like, this is how it takes over is it turns itself into a corporation. Hmm. And, like, it it signs all the best musicians. It makes the best soda, the coolest gear. And this alien corporation virus takes over and, like, it does, like, this satellite display with its communications and draws its logo on the planet basically marking it off from other uh, quote-unquote celestial predators that might come for it. Hmm. And then the calling way dibs. the Effectively way Marvel Boy dibs. stops it is he hacks their system and releases all of their secrets to their or- other corporations. He basically levels the playing field so Earth's natural predators, Nike, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Microsoft, tear it to shreds. And I'm sure it's done in a very Grant Morrison metaphysical way. It's just awesome. Cats are, are cats <laughs> selling Coke? Is that what's happening? No. Is that- um, so... Uh, I guess going back to the meteorite thing, I guess I missed that, or I I just took it as when he's talking about all the space stuff, he was saying that just light anything that has life in general in the universe would have that base kind of language or that base operating system. Yeah, there's something natural at the core of all of us that you could theoretically manipulate like that. But then, it would the the idea that it would evolve the exact same way doesn't make a whole lot of sense because evolution is is not a specific trajectory. It's it, Yeah, it but it can certainly guide us to be like an optimum. Yeah, but for it to but for it to happen the exact same way, that's where the pangalactic transpermia would come in. That would mean the same virus in two different parts of the galaxy would have affected uh, two different beings and program their DNA or whatever they're made to be susceptible to the same thing. It's a bit of a stretch. Well, but- because basically what it would do is, is following that idea, is this virus would land on Earth and see that we have the capability to be like the old carriers and then basically want us to have language and want us to have civilization so, so we would eventually itself. get to the point that we could shoot it back into space ah. at another place. Yeah, and, right. and not not as a sentient virus, just as the concept that's of just That's the code right, that it wants to write. Itself, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's get bigger, it's unite so you can send me out. Because it's like that um, that fungus that, that turns ants into zombies. Yeah, it basically, Yeah, it basically forces the ant body to climb to the highest region and then when it spores so it can filter down that's basically right. what it's doing the same, higher, same thing higher, happens higher. with a uh, uh, toxoplasmosis too the the parasite that gives people toxoplasmosis is uh originally designed for mice 
uh, and it gets into mice, right? And then it gets into their brain and makes them more adventurous, and it also makes them very sexually attracted to the smell of cat urine. You're damn right. So, so that it causes the mice <laughs> to cheesing. It causes the mice to be like, <laughs> I want that cat urine. I, I don't care if there's a cat out there. Runs out there, the cat eats the mouse. Um, and then the virus just the moves, virus up, the food moves chain. up to the food chain back into the next one. But it happens to be genetically similar enough to humans that it gets into our system and has similar effects. And they found in just recently, uh, after like a 20-year study that this, um, I think he's a Slovenian um, neuroscientist published, that m- said that, yes, if you're infected with toxoplasmosis, it can actually get into your brain and permanently change you to make you slightly more adventuresome and more uh, risk-taking um, and less fearful. Yo, you saying I'm eating cat urine? Is that what you're saying to me? If you And it makes you love cat it makes urine. Makes me so hot. Th- these are all, like, super big picture parts of the entire book, which is great. Can we just, like, talk about, like, Raven and, like, some of those <laughs> things? Just, like, I, okay. like okay. character, like, on the basic <laughs> level of... There's a man named Hero Protagonist, which, at first, I said... Fuck you, book. And then about a chapter into, it, I was like, "Okay, I get it. I get what you're doing. Like, good, good off." And I so, so this this dreadlocked Blasian <laughs> fights a man who's a loot, an loot whose brain is hardwired to a nuke. Yep, yep. And he possesses glass knives that can shave off atoms. Yeah, who knew glass was the sharpest? The sharpest? I actually did know that. Going in. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, like, Aaron, no, there's, the there's no there's a there's Same a guy there's a guy in Los Angeles and they cost like four hundred and fifty dollars. And as soon as I have fuck you money, I'm gonna buy a bunch. Glass I'll get everybody knives. one. Glass no, no, but basically it takes it takes the design of like these illusion super knives that like these glass knives are based off yeah. of and combines it with like Japanese steel making <laughs> and they're like the best like kitchen knives ever. And right. if you're like me and you love to cook, like my wiener moved just a little bit, just talking about it. <laughs> like glass, glass. No, no, no. Well, they're, they're steel. Okay. That's why obsidian arrowheads were so effective, is because they're durable, and just it happens to be the way that obsidian cleaves, it's like a perfect glass, naturally occurring glass shard that it whittles down to the, the width of an atom to slice through anything it yeah, touches. Yeah, that's why the White Walkers hate them. But exactly. But every character in this book, like, I feel like most of the main characters or the antagonists in this book are insanely awesome. Are like are insanely cool on a way that like a fourteen year old wrote them. But it's okay. <laughs> like yeah, just yeah. like heroes design again. Like, Talking about how if I had read this now, it felt like yeah, I get it. Like hero I, wears like a trench coat and has like samurai swords and like is a cool <laughs> hacker and is like glass. Like you're something I drew when I was thirteen. No, like Neil Stevenson kind of occupies that perfect version between like super nerd and like dude. <laughs> who just loves stuff. Yeah. Like, this is, like, one of my favorite quotes from all of literature. Okay. And I'm going to read it to everybody. Quote drop. But it's, everyone knows, everyone who's read the book loves this quote, but it's, until a man is 25, he still thinks, every so often, that under the right circumstances, he could be the baddest motherfucker in the world. <laughs> if I moved to a martial arts monastery in China and studied real hard for 10 years, if my family was wiped out by Colombian drug dealers and I swore myself to revenge, if I got a fatal disease, had one year to live, and devoted it to wiping out street crime, if I just dropped out and devoted my life to being bad. And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that, yes. is, that is the perfect combination of like, like nerdy obsession and bro and like that neil <laughs> yep. stevenson like occupies but also like rational realism of like that's not what's actually going to happen and then like and then he goes a hero used to feel this way too but then he ran into raven 
in a way, this was liberating. He no longer has to worry about being the baddest motherfucker in the world. <laughs> the position is taken. Yeah. And it's like, like the way he, like, I can't write anything. Like, I'm a wannabe writer. I cannot write anything. I cannot produce anything creatively. Like, m- for a month after I, my yearly snow crash reading. Because everything I do is in Neil Stevenson's idea. Because he put the virus in my head. <laughs> he incepted you. <laughs> Full circle, we're well, back. So, so, snow crash is Raven, and you are hero. I guess. After he yeah. sees Raven, and it's just you like, get snow I, crashed. I don't yeah. I'm done. have to concern myself <laughs> with Did writing. you guys like Raven? Because I was torn. Here's why I was torn. So, Raven, like... The kind of the bad guy, but not. Well, he flat out murdered people. Flat out murders people, but like he's still kind of supposed to be likable. I think near the end, he's 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 understandable. He's like a lobo. I feel like he's kind of like a lobo, like reference like DC character, just like he's super bad. Exactly what I picked. He'll kill. He'll kill anything. He rides a cool surfboard because he's a he's from where that's from. But like no one he killed like didn't have it coming. It was like yeah bodyguards and like private police forces and like he his cause was technically just i i will say though that like one of my guilty pleasures is a villain who just keeps succeeding and is impossible to defeat in any way shape or form like for some reason i love characters that if they can do it in a cool enough way and they don't like they're just like on a completely different plane of existence than the hero and i i love it when a character when a villain is just so outclassing the person who's trying to go against that it's not even that he's wringing his hands and is evil it's just like a gnat in the room and he doesn't even notice him i definitely get that but there's something about raven that it didn't completely always hit that way for me where i sometimes like really really hated raven like i think you were supposed to i think you were supposed to like hate him and also be able to acknowledge that he was the baddest motherfucker on the planet like basically the things that involved him finally losing Finally stopping the Raven win streak was a railgun, yeah. samurai swords, an exploding aircraft carrier, a rocket dog, yep. and the mafia. <laughs> and he the still didn't fight. die. Yeah. He, didn't All, die and he still got away. No, like what? Like one after the other. Like that's what the, that's what it came to. Was each thing had just had to stack on each other. Well, he, this might be where you would take an antagonist. It was. I think it was like okay, I get it. He's outclassing hero a little bit. He's kind of annoying because he just. It's kind of like when you read like a really bad Wolverine comic. Was it when he got the girl? Is when was it when he slept with YT? Is, is that slept, when you yeah. turned when on he him? He slept with YT. That's really what it was. Because like, so and this is another option. Like YT is so weirdly placed in this. Like she's super young, but she's also yeah, she's 15. sexualized she's a lot. Very sexualized. And so you really like YT. You think she's cool, and like I think kind of reading it, there's this level of like. I would have had a super crush on you as a yeah, sixteen-year-old and like tech also you're like my here, daughter. Here's here's well here's here's what <laughs> here's when I turned on Raven was when I was in like you know my late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. YT probably would have destroyed me. Yeah, like, you that would have been, been in love with YT. Yeah, that would have been that girl I was in love with, and then she slept with the bad guy. Yep, and I think mm-hmm. that was a little bit of Neil Stevenson's like teen years kind of slipping through. Yeah, <laughs> and again, like that's what's gonna happen. YT super cool punk girl who rides on a super tech skateboard and it's, and and it's the badass a biker yeah. who would just beat the shit out of you. He's he's got tattoos. He's got one on his fucking forehead. Yeah, like and you're just like oh, Poor like, impulse. Control. And I didn't even want her like get with like hero or anything. It was just this kind of strange. Yeah, because like, she, oh. she had to stay. She had to stay pure for you. No, and no, then, no, and then, no, no. And then no, Neil Stevenson. Just... Neil Stevenson fucked all of us. Here's, in my mind, I was just anytime I read anything with YT, it was like. What if she's not as good as looking as she thinks? Like she keeps, <laughs> she like delivers something, and she's like, "That guy's clearly checking me out." Perv, 
And then it's just like and she just walks away, and the guy's just like, "What she was her problem?" It, it actually didn't hit me that like the YT was just the hottest girl in the world. It was more just that like, yeah, I get that in this she had swagger. Since everything is well, I mean, she's also going into really shady areas where I imagine yeah. any kind of woman is just going to get like sexually harassed. And mm-hmm. she had the she had the thing that happened to Raven. Oh yeah, uh, she had the dentata, the dentata which was China dentata, which, which is, I actually knew exactly like what that was going to be. From the moment she just casually mentioned it in like the second chapter, she's like, and she still had her dentata. Well, every, that every girl like, it's has, like a rape uh, prevention. has a rape yeah. prevention, which is a real thing. Those are in now. Africa. No, oh, those, those those, are like in the, those I are, know exactly what you're talking about, and I didn't even get to that part of the book. Here's yeah. a scary. Here's a scary thing because no, it's not just in Africa. I've seen them marketed in the U.S. before. Oh like, yeah, on, they're is everywhere. Vagina. The idea of like a rape prevention where you put a plastic cone full of needles, barbed needles, in your hoo ha, mm-hmm. so that when I think this is this the. The 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 most painful part of all of it, which is like the devil of it, not the devil because like anyone it should be happening to it should happen to, is it doesn't start affecting you until you after when you go into the vendentata, it doesn't hurt you until you pull out and then yeah, suddenly you have a million. The it's like it's snake the other way. scales. So you have a thousand tiny penis barbs in or your attacker or penis. Both. So like that that person's gone. Like, and so and so YT, I think it's honestly a really interesting character detail or just of what youth is like in that point that she's just carrying that around all the time and thinks nothing of it. Like, the same way, like, a girl might carry mace now. Well, she has so many, like, so many gadgets and gizmos on her. She's like Batman. She has... (laughs) The magnetic grapple, (laughs) like, all that stuff. The liquid knuckles, the shock collar, the boomstick on the front of her board. So, what was the liquid knuckles? I imagine just a spray can, and I was trying so hard to... I imagine kind of like like the ultimate mace. Yeah, I think it's like bear mace. But like yeah. kind of like a cloud, like not just like a spray, but more of like a burst. <laughs> but yeah, like a thing. foam burst, like bear mace. Yeah. yeah. But it always had the, the uh, it almost had like a convulsion to it, like maybe it caused you to spasm as if you had just been yeah, knocked yeah, that's what I'm in thinking. the head. Uh, sh- yeah, she effectively, but not knowingly, knocked out Raven, the bad guy. Yeah. For most of the fight, for the assault on the U.S. Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not she wasn't conscious. She was like, there's something in me I that I was supposed to. But yet she took him out. So Because the Dentata would... also has a, a <laughs> knockout in one yeah. of Yeah, it has like knocked out gas. Crazy purple <laughs> knockout gas. And his pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> but like all those characters like and, like and Raven too just like, like all of those are on that level of like you're so you're so cool but like there's that level of is is it supposed to be like wink wink nod nod acknowledgement like is honestly, like, like radical cool or is it like is that supposed to be genuine she definitely I, used tubular the whole <laughs> I felt like the whole book was was a profound satire like yeah like, I think I think it can go both ways I think it's like you know like Doctor Strange Love where it can it it's a satire but it's the highest form where it it can it, operate as the thing exactly. it's satirizing yeah because you can read it both ways when you're when you're fourteen it was. Heroes the coolest fucker, right. and pizza is like, really the best thing in the world. And pizza is the best thing in the world, and so is your music because it's precious to you. Yeah, and YT is so cool. And then when you like grow up, you're like, he's making fun of all. This. No, this is like <laughs> this was like profoundly Swiftian as I was reading it. It, it honestly uh, felt you like mean Taylor Swift, except for the yes. part where it's all coming true. Swiftovian. Yes. Speaking of no, music, no, well, aren't there babies being eaten in this somewhere? I feel what? like there was what. Oh, oh come on! The writ. We should eat the poor. 
I don't remember the babies being eaten. That's that was Jonathan Swift. Swift. Jonathan Swift's oh, thing. Oh, sorry. I was, I was thinking, oh, okay. he was. I don't remember. No, no, no. I was like, Jonathan, Jonathan Swift's yeah. satirical right, his, essay. His essay. If Hero didn't succeed, if Hero and Juanita did not succeed, babies would have been eaten. <laughs> that was the plot. Didn't you catch that? Snow Crash Two it was about babies. Crash harder. <laughs> the crash. Crash this. I guess no longer. But speaking of music, a while ago. Uh, no, <laughs> I just want to talk about Sushi K's rap. There's a Japanese. I think he was Japanese, right? Or yes, Nipponi. Well, Nippon is the is Japanese name for, for themselves. Yeah. Don't, don't know how English got Japan, but you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so he's like the rising star, and he performs a rap during when they first meet Raven. Forgot They're like spying that. on him. As this rap is going on, and <laughs> Neil wrote out the lyrics, and they're some of like the lamest lyrics yeah. ever. Oh well, if you think they're lame, that's one of the parts I listened to on tape. Wait, do they? Have- <laughs> oh god, I want to hear that. It's yeah. amazing. Really let, let, let's just pause here, and I, and we will like cut in that section because <laughs> it's amazing. Here it is. As Squeaky turns, Sushi K's first rap song begins. His voice sounds tight and tense. I'm Sushi K. I'm here to say I like to rap in a different way. Look out number one in every city. Sushi K rap has almost pretty. My special talking of remarkable words is not a stereotype buck tooth nerd. My hair is big as a galaxy because I attain greater technology. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, guys, we can actually listen to it. It is, it wait, is wait, wait, the wait. whitest guy. <laughs> So I have the lyrics here, and I think it would be fun if we went around the table and tried to rap them. Because in my head, in my the okay. beat in my head was just like was Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, that's was definitely, what, it's, what, it's, what, it's definitely like Fat Boys esque. Well, uh, here, here here's the thing again. So I think the thing here again is is the satire. Where, because it's like 1992, so it's not like in the mid 80s. We're still when white people were like, "Well, we can do hip hop too." We're, we're still like, like, "I'm blank and blank," and we're here to say that, like a lot of rap. Exactly I mean, this what is the rap is. this is this is the dawn of gangster rap. So yeah. I think yeah. this is again like basically taking this kind of outlaw idea, this sort of outlaw culture, and codifying it and making it a commodity. I think that's again Neil Stevenson. Yeah. That's a comment. I think he's supposed if, to be bad at rapping. Yeah, yeah the I whole thing is yeah. about co- commodification because the reason he's there in the first place is like, oh, I can take my lame Japanese version and perform it in front of real gangster rappers and become famous and rich because, over here. Because they'll, they'll co-sign me. They'll basically be exactly. like, no, Sushi K is cool. Yeah. When he's not. Chad, like, again, like he to... comes to America because our chief export is Cool. That is our meme. That is our thing that we replicate into the world. Okay. So go for Wait, it. Wait. So how many? How many lyrics? How many lyrics? Uh, you you could just do like the first. Crank, crank the races was up to stanzas? eleven. Two, or two, okay. two or three. I swear to God, if yeah. anyone does this in a Japanese accent, it's going to be bad. For you. <laughs> it it's doesn't have to so be in the West Philadelphia, born and right. Just yeah. yeah. Now I'm not. Can't. Now I can't no, it's, not it's, do no, a fresh it's prince. Not, it's not even that good. It's like yeah. My name is Chat, and I'm here to say this party in a different way. Okay, let me do it. Let me do it. Yeah. Okay. I'm Sushi K, and I'm here to say I like to rap in a different way. What? Look out, <laughs> look out, number one in every city. Sushi K rap is almost pretty. My special talking of remarkable words is not the stereotype bucktooth nerd. Oh, oh. <laughs> fuck the free world. Three one three. Okay, Ellen. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Great. fuck the police. Okay. Oh, Ellen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I can't do okay. Um, I'll try. I haven't even read this part yet. Can I familiarize myself? You won't you you need to know the context. You don't need to know the context at all. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Okay. Did um, B Rabbit see what he was wiping before? <laughs> a lot of pressure <laughs> there's a so lot of pressure, pressure. I more yeah to drop a beat like <laughs> okay hopefully you just cut out this whole part where i'm really nervous we'll just, Absolutely not. <laughs> we'll just close our eyes go, go for it <laughs> okay um my hair is big as a galaxy because i attain greater technology <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I just realized what this is. Drop the mic. This is an ad to sign up for community college online. That's what this is. Right Come to ITT Tech. Become uh, a guy who works on your car. Made my connection online. Got my degree on my own time. Matt, please. Matt, now do the now, now do the voice. I like to rap about sweet and romance. My fond ambition is of your pants. <laughs> so here's of special, remarkable way of this fellow's raps named Sushi K. <laughs> William shattered it a little bit. The Nipponese talking phenomenon like samurai sword in a sharpened tongue. <laughs> That's a, I don't have the rest of the oh. This is the worst segment. Just, this is the worst That's segment. The uh, wait, why are we doing this if we're just going to play the audiobook version? I'll just do a little bit so you can hear how awfully racist it is. Um, okay, somebody laid out a, a fat beat for me. No. Who wraps the East Asia and the Pacific? Prosperity's fear to be specific. Sarah's men on subway listen for sushi K like new nuclear fission. Fire breathing lizard, Gojiro. He always my big time hero. His mutant rap burned down whole block. Start investing now, sushi K stock. I don't know how to respond to any of that. <laughs> Matt Matt burrowed his head in shame. I wasn't doing a racist voice. You did voice. fine. You did fine. You I were just, a little bit. Was, <laughs> oh, no. You were a little bit. I can bit. get Valor Oasis. Yeah. yeah. I fell into a bigger wiki hole with this song than the book. Like I, I was looking up the lyrics, and I'm like, and I read a form. They're like, who, who first came up with, like, I am blank, and I'm here to say. Did you put this on Rap Genius and see what the translation and, is? And, like, we traced it back to, like, in the 19, in 1944, there was a Chiquita Banana commercial. What? I'm a Chiquita says, Banana, yes. and I'm here to I'm say. I'm going to play it here. I'm going to hold Are it up. about the origin of the I'm, the I'm blank, blank, and I'm here to yeah. say? <laughs> Where's the speaker? Everywhere. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Aaron. She, hey, so, she keeps a banana and get it. So th there's that. And then in 1992, the same year of the book. <laughs> June 1992. Was there like a, uh, a. So this is like when you go back and find out Moby Dick was based Are on. Are you a saying real story. that Chiquita Banana is no, the no, virus that spread banana, across all rest? In 1992, there's a fruit, Fruity Pebbles um, rap. This is this might is this have Barney spawned. and Fred. This might have came first or came second. Who knows? Neil Stevenson could have been nodding to this. Is this Barney and Fred rapping? It's or, Barney yeah. and Fred doing a, a hip hop rap. That makes uh, sense. Fruity Pebbles. I remember this instantly. I instantly remember this. I saw one frame of it. Fruity Pebbles in a major way. He loves Fruity Pebbles in a... <laughs> he loves Fruity Pebbles. 
in a major way. I'm trapped in an eternal hell. And then, and then one of them They're looks at a blank green. screen that has uh, static on it, and then he starts going, Ooh, la, la, ma, la, ma, la, la, ma, la, la, la. Snow crash. And his and his brain's fried. <laughs> and then Barney was never seen again. So anyway, this book. So that's my contribution. <laughs> Can we talk about the best character in this book? Rat dog? Rat thing. Rat, rat thing. thing. Yeah. Rat thing is the rat, best is character in this entire book. The concept so, rat things nice are Fido doggy. himself. Yeah. That, can I just say that that... A section of that, I believe, is what I heard in the audiobook towards the end when I was in Aaron's yeah. car, out of context. And I was like, I did not realize that we were going into a dog's POV. Well, right? yeah. Well, here, here's here's my... Okay, so the rat thing is basically drone warfare. It's Wii 3. It, it's Wii 3. It's, 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 it's Wii 3, by the way, of drone warfare, where they take pit bulls and they repurpose them to be these guard dogs that guard the burp clays. They're basically... Specifically Hong Kong. Yeah, they're basically... They're basically the the idea of like a dog that wants to serve its master mm-hmm. strapped to an exploding rocket engine a and nuclear like, with like a yeah nuclear cell and like they can either stay in their doghouse and have coolant pumped on them so they don't you know explode or they have to move so fast faster than the the, the sound barrier seven hundred miles an hour and keep the keep the air going over their fins because if they stop they will they will they have, have a nuclear so, meltdown. So basically, when you let when you release a rat thing for a purpose of the the owner, it's going to explode. Sendi- the thing it's going to hit. You're sending out a missile, a, a sentient missile that'll come back. But, but the thing is, is the brain inside is still a dog, and like this is the thing that I don't see anywhere else. Is the world they create for the dogs to keep their brains busy is a utopia. Like it is, it is yeah, the dog. Heaven. It's dog heaven. Dog heaven. They're they're putting it in a matrix where it's just continually loved doggy by matrix, masters. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's pet, and there's stakes on trees, and the beach never ends, and they can just chase a frisbee forever, and like everything else. When it's like, well, reality's a lie, and all this stuff. It's you know, it's the matrix. It's like, no, your brain's rejected paradise. Fuck you. No, it didn't. Dog- you guys are just being dead. Yeah. And and really, the part of the reason why it makes rat not because rat thing is just super cool, but the idea of you're talking about the the, the mindset of a dog. The way everyone used to kind of praise, or still praises the movie Up for like, man, Doug, that dog just really gets the the mindset mannerisms of a dog. It was all Rat in thing, Snow Crash. Rat, Rat Thing is 20 times on yeah. the level of like being a good owner and the way it recognizes that one time that mm-hmm. YT helped it out kind of thing. Like it's so like, it hits everything if you're a dog owner about why you know the dogs are the best can, and how you kind of wish your dog yeah. was a nuclear dog. Well, can I just say that that the first time that... The, the, and the, the, from just from a sheer stylistic perspective, that that's one of my favorite Neil Stevensonisms is his ability to divert into a random, very quirky POV for like an entire chapter just to explore something fun like the perspective of the rat thing. I, I do, do have some rat thing like, quotes. Oh, yeah, yeah, please yeah, do. Read and, and while you're reading, also, it's kind of also remind me of Douglas Adams a little bit of how like yeah. you read Hitchhiker's Guy where it's like a main story and then like when it switches what? to the perspective of a, the a flower pot and the whale yeah, and you're like, oh that's a fun little side story thing you yeah. do. that's how kind of rat thing it's very yeah. like Adam the first scene. time I read it I thought that was just another weird part of the world and then when it came back you know yeah. that was uh you know that was like I, I don't know. Yeah, I he ties it. everything together, and I, I it, it, as that last fifty pages, I was like, yes, my, yes. My yes. theory, I don't want to interrupt. My theory is that Rat Thing might have been like a side tangent thing, like a one chapter one off, and then he loved it so much yeah, that but, he just kept putting Rat Thing into the story. But that's kind of how creativity oh, works. That's great, not yeah. a complaint at all. Sorry, Matt, yeah, hit us some. Yeah, rat thing let's hear quotes. some Rat Thing quotes. Fido comes out of his doggy house, curls his long legs beneath him, and jumps over the fence around his yard before he's remembered that he is not capable of jumping over it. This, crunch, this contradiction is lost on him, though. As a dog, introspection is not one of his strong points. 
As part of Mr. Lee's good neighbor policy, all rat things are programmed to never break the sound barrier in a populated area. But Fido's in too much of a hurry to worry about the good neighbor policy. Jack the sound barrier. Bring the noise. Oh, that is the greatest quote <laughs> you can drop on a thirteen-year-old. Yeah. Is Jack the sound barrier? Bring the noise. I literally heard that quote driving up yes, here, and I just stopped the accelerator and killed that's several why you were people. Like, you were pulled that's, over. That's like Michael Bay's "Make it bring the rain" from all of his films. Where he says, "Bring the rain," and you're like, "Bring the rain, yes, bring the rain." <laughs> There's so many moments that just give into it. Yeah, like all the couriers just uniting for the. Oh end. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or. Uh, what is it? It's like Hero is talking to Mr. Uh, Wynn about Reason, the railgun supergun, mm-hmm. broke down. He's like, I need to update the firmware. Like, he needs to make the firmware unstoppable to the virus. Like, you know, it's 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 the book yeah. in Microcosm. He goes, oh, what do you need it for? I need to take over an aircraft carrier. Like, just that kind <laughs> of, like, just the... just Bold statements. Yeah, just the neat stuff. And then when the thing's like... Uh, or then they're yelling at him from the helicopter. It's like, you know, Hero... You're gonna run out of bullets eventually. Swords don't run out of bullets. Yep. Like, <laughs> and then that and that silences them. They're like, ah, oh, fuck this. All right. Shit. Swords don't. We didn't get think about out of that. here. And the helicopter rises. <laughs> Shit. It, it's kind of a payoff of everything through the book that you really, really enjoy. He at least he seems to have a sense of knowing what you'll like from the book. There's not. There's very few things where I feel like he was just really on board that the rest of the readers wouldn't be on board so it's like there's kind of a skill of like i know you're gonna like rat things i know you're gonna love the couriers i know you're gonna like think i'm sorry the the head of the mafia papa Vito. uncle enzo uncle enzo <laughs> i think you're gonna think he's like really fun and kind of weird i'm gonna keep bringing these guys back in so you're continuing yeah. always excited well, and, to see more of that and, and what's great is is like all of the all of the parts everything he names like nothing is wasted he uses mm-hmm. every part of the buffalo like the way the story moves and transforms and then becomes its end isn't completely impossible if you take out one part. It's Mr. Lee, Mr. Wynn, Uncle Enzo, the Couriers, Fido. It, like, it all it, bounces. The it swords. Was, it was like, definitely written very much like a novel-length screenplay in that way, where yeah. everything is everything very counts. set it's up written, and then like pays like a off. conversation, though. It was like, like, chapters begin with, like, so YT came down to this. And, mm. and it, it, like, yes, it was very smart, and I had to read uh, reread a couple parts to make sense of it. Cause I'm dumb, but <laughs> but it was told like someone was telling a very awesome story. So can I? Yeah. Because uh, I feel this kind of way, and I've realized for a lot of other books, I really really like, or at least recently, where I love the concept in the world. Main character is like the the weakest character. Like hero is great, but everyone is way better than hero. And is well, that I just? Think, I think that's the point. Like Juanita was smarter than him, and Raven yeah. was better than him. And YT's cooler, and, and, or, like, or YT or YT's like. Yeah, like he's plugged in. Like he's 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 one of the king hackers. He's the greatest sword friend in the world, and he's still not cool. And I'm, I think, just, but I love that I can, they still did make him badass in but, the real life. Yeah, like he did. The thing is, 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 is he is he is the fulcrum. He's the middle of the Venn diagram. Like mm-hmm. all of these, Juanita as the as the new Anki, as the new hacker goddess of neurolinguistics, and the mafia using its forces for good, mm-hmm. and the courier army. Like none of that comes together without hero. Right. So it's like, like he was, he's the, he the, was the middle man, yeah. He's I'm the fulcrum, but I can also say that just to 
kind of get into genre fiction a little bit. This is very much a film noir story for a good portion of it, especially the investigation and and he's high like the whole thing is like Juanita is the femme fatale who comes into his life and draws him into this world that he has to investigate something. The deeper he goes, uh, the more nothing makes sense and the more crazy it gets and and the more it seems like he can never get out of it, but he just has to f- go down trying. Who's the brain? The brain is there a brain character that's always in noir? You mean uh, the the person that. You go mas- to that note that always has insider knowledge on. Everything. I mean, that could be Lee. I could be. Wynn. There's a bunch of people. Librarian. Yeah. Kind of everyone, everyone's smarter everyone than you. Everyone seems to have more information, another piece of the puzzle. I'd say the librarian actually would be the, the closest because yeah. he ha- he has pretty much all the information that Lagos, who was the guy who was on this case before him, had before he was gutted. So, the, so that with would be. With a glass knife. Yes, with a glass knife. And it's, it, it's another thing to some powers tech nerds in that. Even the mafia, like their strongest thing is just info. The fact that like that uh sorry again, Uncle Uncle Enzo has something up on like L Bob Rife makes is his biggest weapon instead of their entire massive military force kind of thing. Like information is the best weapon out of everyone. And so everyone's like holding yeah. on to their cards. Selling it know. to the Central Intelligence Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> the emerging yeah. of the CIA in the Library of Congress. Can I say that the librarian actually? I, I liked his character a lot. He, He's weird. very sassy for a computer. Yeah, he was very sassy. He was. He was. Uh, Aaron kind like of the, the all-knowing computer. <laughs> weird. What a surprise, Aaron. Wants well, because he got heroes like, hey, could you summarize that for me? He's like, I'm not programmed to summarize. You fucking retard. <laughs> Favorite parts. Uh, maybe the summoning of the rat things when YT's trying... Is it YT trying to escape? Or no, uh, heroes breaking out of... No, the, the, the Fido, the rat thing specifically comes for YT because YT fed it once. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Like, when all of the rat things come, when Lee summons, like, a thousand of them. There's a... all of them? I guess... Yeah, my friend... He sends out a call, but then it goes to basically to Fido, and Fido becomes the one... Yeah, there's, like, a time where... A hundred rat things come and like bust up all. Oh, you're types. talking about you're talking about uh, when YT is first saved and Ing has like f- has like uh, seven or eight rat things and they take or out. Or however many it, is, it feels like an entire storm of. Rat it's a things lot of just them. tear apart a building of. Yeah, it te- tears apart like an entire drug city. And you really get the sense of like what it seems to be like nano machines, even though it's just rat things moving yeah. at a hyperactive speed. Just tearing apart. A powerful disturbance is moving through the flame, leaving a linear trail in the light like a cosmic ray fired through a cloud chamber. By force of its passage, it leaves behind a shockwave that is clearly visible in the flame. A bright, spreading cone that is a hundred times larger than the dark source of its apex. A black, bullet-like thing supported on four legs that are turning too fast to be visible. It is so small and so fast that El Bob Rife would not be able to see it if we're not headed directly for him. Rat thing. Rat thing. Check the sound barrier. That's yep. the ending of Rat Things we're referring to. <laughs> yeah, the end. You know, I honestly, it's it's a really small, insignificant part, but the part where it really started to click with like, oh my god, he's doing it. He's really doing it. He's really tying every single little thing that we liked in together in this massive, like, uh, climactic battle was when YT clicks the little button to send out a distress signal, and then it cuts back to the Vitali Chernobyl concert, which we established like early on in the in the book, like the fourth chapter, that is huge with couriers, and like the audience is ninety percent couriers. Yeah. And then suddenly the entire audience changes colors into emergency mode, 
go save the courier and suddenly you have this army this standing army ready to to leap out and then it cuts to the rat things and then the rat and then what fido who again it was just a throwaway thing like oh fido is a rat thing now and now fido hears the here's the call and then goes this and it's just this amazing whirlwind of all these fun little things that i forgot about yeah. and i thought they were just asides and in fact they were all pinpoints of light yeah. supporting and, the and then like movie. like the mafia is there from chapter one yeah. because YT delivered that pizza. Yep. Like, they're in. And Just got, for fun. And another great quote is, the important thing is, Hero, you have to understand the Mafia way. And the Mafia way is that we pursue larger goals under the guise of personal relationships. This is how we avoid the trap of self-perpetuating ideology. Ideology is a virus. So getting this chick back is more than just getting a chick back. It's the concrete manifestation of an abstract policy goal. And we like concrete. Like, that is, she did them a solid... So this whole idea of the mafia, it's like the Godfather owes you, you know, it's a blood oath. They made it corporate. And like yeah. they managed to tie it in not only thematically to the whole thing, but to the end when Enzo and everybody shows up. Yeah. Another part that I was actually not, didn't think I liked it as much until now I'm thinking about it really fondly is when whenever heroes in the metaverse and just rocking things with his backdoors and passwords, like like hero will will take off someone's head in game and then just open up a hole in a the trap floor hole. and just shove them down there and then tell a daemon to be like, just hold on to that. I want you to hold that file. I got to go kill someone else. Like, that's so cool that this guy has pretty much the entire universe as beck and call because he's one of the makers of it. Well, and yeah. yeah. That's also another level of this whole, you know, where, where nerd and dude meet is heroes, heroes pretty badass in the real world. He's basically unstoppable in the metaverse. Like yeah. this internet geek online, you can't touch him. He might be okay in this world, but here it's like, yeah, they ask, if only I could meet Raven in the verse. Yeah, he he yeah. was the Raven of the metaverse. Uh, one of my favorite parts that actually shows the humor, Neil Stevenson's humor and style, is when badass in real life hero is storming the USS Enterprise, and he has this you know railgun machine gun, and he's taking out gun turrets. And he's looking like a badass. And then he gets to the side, and it takes him six tries to sink the grappling hook. <laughs> yeah, that's a good moment. Because <laughs> he's, he's like, like rah, looking rah, like rah. such a badass. And it's a good like, action sequence. And he's eh, like, <laughs> crap. Eh, crap. But, As like on, all on. these eh. Japanese refugees are just like looking on at him. <laughs> okay, well, I wanted to ask you guys um, how you picture Hero's laptop and the <laughs> virtual... 3D element of it because he's wearing goggles. Is yeah. he not? Because you know that's something that we don't really, we still don't do with our personal computers. And I was curious. I, mean, I know that that people talk about it at conventions, but how do you picture it? It looking when he's on his I, computer. I personally pictured it as almost like welding goggles, like that mm-hmm. just kind of co- cover yeah, your whole. Yeah, I, I don't have it, a helmet. Yeah, it, yeah, just like w- yeah. welding goggles that project lasers directly onto the back of your retina, at, you know, at 70 frames a second that make it so that you can, it, it, everything renders in 3D. So, I mean, is he looking at his, com- is it Well, they, they definitely talk about, like, an actual console. Like, right. there's definitely there's a thing. in front of him. So, I kind of picture, like, uh, almost like a horseshoe shape. Yeah. And it surrounds it him. Uh, yeah. But you can goggle in or goggle out. It, doesn't it talk about him sitting at, like, the Japanese table on, like, the tatamani mat? He he trains with the rebar because it's heavy yeah. on a sword, and then while his his roommate 
uh, noodles on the guitar or whatever. He sits down at his little, you know, table. Again, you know, this is like late 80s, early 90s, so Japan was still, you know, an mm-hmm. economic powerhouse. They are going to take over. So it was very, you know, austere and Japanese because they were the future. Um, so he sits at the little table, and then he's got, like, the, the horseshoe console, yeah. which has displays, and then he just puts on the goggles. Yeah, when he wants to go into the metaverse. the lasers into his eyes. So, but, so, what he's, so what he's seeing, is it... 3D in front it's of him. It's not a hologram in front of him. He's wearing goggles. It's so it's 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 it's, it's immersion. It's, I was still seeing like a virtual okay. boy or an Oculus Rift now. Like it's yeah. not matrix level. He looks around and he's seeing like his body. Right. Like he's not jacking his brain in, but it's such a good visual representation well, like, just, like Aaron, it, I mean, it's not a screen positioned in your eyes. Like it says it shoots literally lasers into your, your fucking optic yeah. nerve. So that would mean that they would have to follow his eyes cuz you you can't train your eyes to stare at one place for so it's basically he's totally immersed it's something that he yeah he's it's better than reality which 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 i think is the major the major thing is like the only time like i watch something and i don't have like a phone in my hand or a laptop on my lap is at the movie theater like i will wait forever like i'll it's like oh i missed that movie oh it's on amazon i'll rent it off amazon i can i have not been able to wait to see this movie. I am so excited for this movie. I will still have my fucking laptop open and I'll be on IMDb, I'll be on Wikipedia, I'll be on Twitter, I'll be on Reddit, and it's like that's the only thing is like the multitasking. That's like, interesting. It's like me, the, it's the control. Like, like if the it's a video fragment. game. Is but that's I'm... what the gargoyles are. The gargoyles are constantly multitasking and and he says that's what makes them infuriating because you'll you'll be talking to them yes. and they'll have a vacuous stare. And you'll realize that they're actually reading the the information about the the brick layout of a building two stories down while they're pretending to have a conversation. I mean, that's, with that's you. us now. That's right. exactly. Hole, that's Instagram. Like, yeah, that's talking to anyone at a lunch when they're just on their phone. Talking yeah, <laughs> like when I when I fly home to see my folks and I'm back in Indiana, like I have to, I make a conscious effort to turn off my phone at meals. Yeah, because I only get like a week and a half with my family again, and I could probably spend you know all together you know added up two whole days. Just with this stupid phone. Is, is that a regional thing, or is it a California doing that to us? I definitely know it's going back home to the Midwest. My friends not being nearly as no, bad about that. I have friends who are worse. Okay. In in like Colorado, it just depends. I but they're typically a few years younger than me. I, I so see this. They this grew up gap. more immersed in the metaverse. If, if they're five years younger than me, they are totally like it's connected to their hand. They can't. Yeah. They can't stop checking. I've seen that. Well, the next thing will be it'll just be grafted into our hand or skin. You'll just have a yeah. phone glove. So, You'll have a power. It'll be glove. in your watch. Yeah. So, so Neil Stevenson. Ford watch. They did that. They did that on uh, Almost Human. They did that on Almost Human. Already, where, Which... like he, 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 the, the, the image was just on his hand. Huh. Like oh, yeah, this guy was going. Implant, this guy was going to a drug deal, and he just had. He was just like, "Hey, baby, I'll see you soon." You're like, huh. "Oh, you're dead." So you're gone. <laughs> need handphone though. Yeah, need handphone. Wait, was that a handphone? Yeah, he's like holding it on his hand, like the projector is like projected onto his hand. So maybe it was like on his. Oh, no, oh, that, I, well, that's I saw it. I saw it a TED a TED talk where that 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 technology exists and it's a pendant like a pendant you have that projects out on other people and scans them and shit. Creepy. Can we just say that we're officially living in the future now? Oh, there's no yeah. question. Sure. We have a robot that left the solar system. And, and I just I just want that that flat foldable phone. Can we hurry up and get that? Where it's like. It's like the size of a piece of paper, but it's, you know, tech technology, more advanced technology than paper. And it's like, it's a phone, and it's an iPad, and like you can fold it up to its phone size, and then you can unfold it, and it's like a computer screen. 
Have you guys seen that? No. It's no. amazing. I want that more than a hoverboard. I'm, I'm well, let's not for, get crazy. I'm just going for meta. Like honestly, the metaverse, any kind of the world where you actually lose yourself in, is kind of that like. I just want those. Of your get it, Chad? Now. You're depressed. I just no, want I those. Am. I want those mega wheels that all of the all of these courier boards have that, yeah. that punch out and can go over any surface. It's like a human tongue, but better. yeah. Have you seen that? Um, someone invented the the suit that Hero wears, where it's like he looked like death, like a ninja, and like the guy at the motorcycle store is like, "Can I just say, sir?" You look like a bad motherfucker. <laughs> um, but it's like you don't oh, have to yeah. wear a helmet because if you get it, like fills with like air and like oh, gels like, and stuff. Someone made that oh, helmet. The, the helmetless. What? I think no, I remember talking about it's, it's, a, it's, like a, it's collar. a collar. It's what that, YT it's, has to survive falling out of yeah, the helmet. It's a collar that hero when, gets later. It's a collar and, yeah. that when it detects you're moving towards the surface, it instantly deploys. A giant pillow around your entire head instantaneously, like an airbag. <laughs> if you had that, I'd in... constantly throw stuff at your head just yeah, so it go just off. let it go off that one time. That's in like every like action comedy set in the future. When a car crashes, the car fills with foam, and then they get out. They yeah. break out of the foam. Demolition Man. Hmm? Yeah. I was driving next thing you know, the car turns into a cannoli. <laughs> Murder, death, kill. That was a direct quote. <laughs> no, I know it was. I know it was. I knew you were just quote. doing a really good satire of it. Um, to direct quote. Any other I love demolition, thoughts for Snow Crash? Uh, maybe anyone who's listening to this who... They might have been turned off by asking deep into Sumerian virus. Or that's the, the moment they goggled in. Maybe they, maybe they did. I think it's a small Venn diagram. <laughs> the book is just a really good sci-fi concept that if you can look past the... I mean, it, 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 it's a, it's a, it is a stealth virus to get you in deeper like it is just it's pop culture and like he writes cool like like i mean i sound like i might be using that in a pejorative no, but no, like yeah. he writes he writes cool and there's like pop culture and it's exciting yeah. and there's sword fights and shootouts and then it is and then he just kind of you know gets that virus in there and we start talking about neurolinguistics mm-hmm. and it's um like it's a fascinating book i get something new out of it every time i read it um if for some reason you listen to this and didn't read it, fucking read it. it even yeah, even with yeah, what I'm on it. it. I'm I'm really into even it. Even with what we've discussed here tonight, I can't see any of that ruining the experience. It's no. not really a, a if anything. A, a, we helped people. Yeah. And there's there's well. enough there. We could probably do two more shows. Yeah. Well, we should do I think another. We have one. two shows now. <laughs> At least. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and I I'm excited to to have this lens and frame of reference now that we've that you guys have discussed oh. I, I think our next episode is going to be ellen just talking about her thoughts on it after she's yes. read it just her Can you I? guys are fucking idiots <laughs> this was terrible can i just say i really Why love that a bitch. i really love that everybody talked in glossolalia once they became infected with the, the virus uh, and that became uh, like uh, this weird uh, sort of zombie uh, thing uh, where they're uh, like ulama mulama namanga and then just ripples out across a huge crowd of mm-hmm. thousands. I thought that was a cool zombie-like thing. Can I, can I ask a question? If they made this a movie, who's 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 everyone? First off, oh, you make it a, you make it a miniseries. You do it like Band of Brothers style. You okay. do like ten episodes. <laughs> okay, and the so I'm on board with that. Who's hero? Isn't it who's gonna Donald Glover? Who's I, just don't, I just don't think there's a Blasian. No, wait, place. no, there Donald, there is. I'm trying to think of who it is. I, oh, is he it's, it's gonna be. No. Willow Smith or uh, no. Will Smith. No, 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 no. I think someone someone was oh, pushing God, for no. Donald Glover to be um, hero. Um, I guess no. The there's someone else I'm thinking of that, that I can't remember where they're from, but they're like a really badass Asian actor guy. Rain. Is it Rain? <laughs> Korea. 
Yeah. Does it rain? <laughs> Stephen Maybe. Colbert's nemesis. It might be like a movie where just it's on Castle because the characters are so. The characters always felt like they were kind of colorful, fifth element type, like Basi- crazy. Basically, cartoons. what we need is Keanu Reeves to have a child with a black lady. Yeah, let's just and fix then have that another now. child with an an Asian. No, he's he's part Chinese. Okay, Ken technically Watanabe. speaking, he's more Chinese. Than uh, he's me. one of the runners. Messed up. Okay, so, all right. So for Raven, I'm gonna go and say Hurley from Lost. Or Hugo? What? <laughs> no, it's, it's no, the Rock. Make him work out first. It's oh, the Rock. It's the Rock. If the Rock got a little flabbier, yeah, they, the rock they got kept a saying like, that like he didn't have any neck and he wasn't and he was kind of like like stocky and. Have doughy. you seen NFL players? They don't have necks. And yeah, they you, are, you, need, you need like a. You don't need flabby. You're 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 out of your mind if you don't think they're gonna cast like the most giant brown jacked guy. Oh, that's the, the Rock. But ideally, it's uh, ideally, it's Hurley from Lost as Te- the ultimate. Technically badass. speaking, it could be Vin Diesel from the oh, Fast and oh, Furious oh, movies. Because he's, he's not as, he's not as ripped out as he is in Riddick. Yeah, you need someone yeah. like a little bit more. Because Hurley looks like he's actually from Vic. the Aleutian Islands. Guess <laughs> you are you? Oh no, are you, it should he be. Was it should be. Island. Um, uh, Carl Drago, who from... actually was cast probably. Oh, as Jason Momoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. It should be a Samoan guy Maybe. for sure. Hmm. Yeah, they just cast him as probably people thought Lobo, so actually he'd be a pretty good fit. And then YT, I think he's uh, already had sex with a fifteen-year-old. YT, you just get the girl to play knives from Scott Pilgrim. I, I was gonna say, she's why not? She's not Asian. I don't know what she was no, actually. I never, I, I never she's knew just what her a little was. white girl. Is she white? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, I think YT plans. is probably just gonna be hit girl. There's no, I can't think of any other girl that that's in the market in uh, that age. Wait, range. who's who's the girl in the um? Name uh, of what's movie. her name? Uh, last name's Ronan. I can't pronounce her. Oh, Saris Ronan. Yeah, from the the host. Uh, and who's lovely bones or whatever? Or is it the same girl? Um, who is? Who is? No. Who is the girl? Uh, Hannah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly oh yeah. Right. yeah. Could be like, her too. Yeah. Is Ronan. I just wait. Feel did like you guys say girl... Chloe Moritz? Yeah. We're first saying Chloe Hit girl. Moritz. Okay. Yeah. Um, She'd be okay, I guess. And then the librarian. Who would you cast as the librarian? Shut I, I would cast Aaron Walke. Fine. We said it. Are you happy now, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> who would be Juanita? Juanita. Um. Because, I mean... She's Any got, Latin American star. I don't know, man. Because she's like... you you, you got to believe that she would be basically the post-informational Eve. Hmm. I really like Jennifer Lopez. She's really pretty. <laughs> no! <laughs> Jennifer kidding, Lopez! Kidding. No! <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. There's it's not, it's someone like, out there. With a wire sticking out of her <laughs> They head. won't This will her. probably be, based on its popularity, like a movie in like nine years? Actually, it's in development now. <gasps> Is it really? It's been in development forever. But I guess they're actually moving forward with it. That's what I heard. With Paramount, I think. Uh, it's also in Josh Trank. Concepts now will feel Maybe. like... How do you take things from this that have been popularized in movies now it and make it fresh? Makes you because they're gonna be they're gonna be people who are like oh this is a Matrix ripoff and this it's is a from, Tron ripoff from a Tron ripoff and like no this was, came first and was right. the thing but like since it came out turn it as a movie later maybe they'll do they an were, awkward thing like uh, they'll cut out all the um, metaverse stuff Joseph Gordon Levitt stuff yeah I I feel like two it, hours of Sumerian history in seats <laughs> but Joseph Gordon Levitt is going to come out before the movie and say hey everyone hope you enjoy this movie this is actually a book first back in 1990 <laughs> you know I think it would be cool if they actually set it in the early 90s that would be interesting to me or set it like in like the early like just set it not right now like it it ends with one of the characters walking out of a screening of the matrix <laughs> <laughs> all right never whatever we did it better <laughs> all right so so snow crash uh thanks for listening guys 
Thanks for listening to parts one and two. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe parts, parts one, one through eight. <laughs> um, if you have any suggestions for books that you want us to cover, talk about, or you're not sure, you haven't read and you heard things and you want us to explore, dip our toes <gasps> in the water, <gasps> send us at, at MyArmsAreLasers <laughs> on Twitter or MyArmsAreLasers at Gmail. You can find me, Aaron Waltke, at GoodAaron. Uh, you can find me, Chad, at Quantum Theory, Q-U-A-N-D-T-U-M Theory. Uh, you can find me, Ellen, at E-T Phone H. Uh, Lat Momen, one word. You can find me in the metaverse off port 179 <laughs> or on Twitter at Gotamus Prime. Our next book will be The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Uh, so if you want to join along, tweet at us, you know, scenes, or join in the discussion, send us mail, or just know what we're talking about, read that. Thanks for listening, guys. And this is my arms are lasers. <laughs> Let's read books. Let's all let's all Oyula late. Do do the I don't know how to do it. Just do syllables. It was my my mind hasn't been divorced from organized language.